as they're uh, passing those bags, I invite you to grab your Bible and turn to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 4. And if you didn't bring a Bible, but you're reaching for one of those blue Bibles somewhere close to you, you'll find that on page 710. Uh, We'll be in Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 26. My best friend and I in high school, his name is Brian Query, um, we had a motto. If we can't fix it, it ain't broke. That's what we said. If we can't fix it, it ain't broke. And I like to take things apart and mostly put them back together. I think of myself as, as a relatively handy type of guy. I have taken apart things because they needed to be fixed. I've also taken apart things simply because I was curious as to how they really worked. I have learned, however, when something breaks at my house, to ask first, do you want me to fix this, or is this a good excuse to get something different or something new? You know, I've I've learned that over the course of time. Um, There are lots of things that I may understand, but I don't get. There are things that that happen that I I know how they work, but I, I don't get it. Things like this little jewel that we have right here, the iPhone, right? Or any phone, any smartphone for that matter. How in the world does something this small send and receive emails and update status on the internet and check things on the internet and it still receives and sends phone calls too and text messages and all this stuff you can do in this little bitty thing. There's thousands of songs in here. I mean, I can listen for like three days and never have to repeat a song. How does that work? I don't understand it. I don't get it, but it still works, right? Anybody else in that same boat? Come on, somebody be alive with me this morning. Thank you. Very good. Uh, iPhone. How about, uh, how about a microwave? A microwave is one of those things a- as well. Now, I understand that it, it heats food using the, the dielectric heating method and that it, it causes food to be heated through the use of radiation, which causes the polarized molecules to get excited and bounce off of each other, usually at a rate of 2.45 gigahertz at a wavelength of 122 millimeters. I understand that, but I don't get it, right? Anybody else? Uh, There are things like the iCloud. How in the world does the iCloud work? And and then, I mean, I download an app to my phone, and the next thing I know, it's on my computer. It's on my iPad. It knows these things. How is it that when I book a flight, about an hour later, I start getting emails from car rental companies? Need a car? Like, how how do they know these things? How, How does this stuff work? Then we have something that we like to call this beautiful jewel right here. Twinkies. Did you know that there's a show called How Stuff Works? I didn't until I downloaded the app for it, which then appeared, you know, everywhere else. And in that is an article, How Twinkies Work. These delightful little snacks were created and invented in, 19, in the 1930s, and currently they consist of 39 different ingredients. Now, originally, it just had the basics, right? It's just kind of a, a cake. It had, you know, butter and sugar and eggs and milk and flour, those types of things, and, and it was really good. But in an attempt to try to make them last longer for a longer shelf life, they started introducing chemical ingredients to this lovely snack. And, and the company claims that... This snack right here can exist for up to 25 days unwrapped without going bad. And one of the reasons for that is because of sorbic acid. Sorbic acid is one of the main ingredients in this little jewel right here. And what it does, anybody know? Prevents mold. That's what it does. 
No other purpose except to prevent mold. And these things are full of them. Now, anybody want one this morning? I unwrapped these about 28 days ago, but I'm sure they're still good. I tell you what, I'm going to set them. I'm going to save one for me because they've got to be good, right? And I'm going to put them right here. And if anybody, you're going to need a couple of these if you take one of these. Um, And they're right there. Anybody? Okay. You're more than welcome to them. I'm sure they're great. Um, Last week, we looked at four different types of soil. And we looked at the parable of the sower in the Gospel of Matthew. Today, we're going to look at this encouraging parable in the book of Mark. And it's only recorded for us in the book of Mark. And, and we talked about the sower last week. We talked about that, that a boy. <laughs> Finally got one taker. All right. Um, where were we? Oh, yeah. We looked at, uh, today we're going to look at the, the, the seed. We're going to look at the power of the seed. Last week, it was all about the soil. It was about the four different types of soil. This week, it's about the power that's in the seed and, and how we may not know. Okay, here's what I want you to do. Take that basket and just start passing it around. Take the napkins, pass them around. They'll be gone momentarily, right? All right, very good. So um, we're going to look at this. And, and the point of today is this, that while we may not understand how God works, we can be assured that God is still working. When we don't understand it, even when we can't see it, God is at work. And I want you to keep that in mind as, as we go through the scripture this morning. Now follow along with me in the Gospel of Mark, beginning in chapter 4, verse 26. The text says, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, and then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Here Jesus is once again talking about the kingdom of God, and he's talking about the importance and how when we recognize that God's reign is supreme in our life, and whenever we turn our lives over to him and we live under his kingship, that amazing things can happen and things will work because God is always working. God is always moving. God is always active. And, and there are a couple of main characteristics of the kingdom of God that are revealed for us in this text. And I invite you to follow along in the back of your bulletin and, and fill in a few blanks as we go through this this morning. The first one is this. We cannot make the seed grow. We can't make the seed grow. Grow. That's not our job. One of our tasks as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, is to sow the seed of the word of God in the lives of other people. The text says a man scatters seed on the ground. And that's our responsibility. Charles Spurgeon said it this way. Holy seed sowing should be adopted as our highest pursuit. It's our responsibility and it's our job to take the word of truth, to take God's word and to sow that in the lives of other people, not only by what we say, but by who we are, how we serve, how we worship in our daily life, how we interact with other people. We have a responsibility to sow God's seed. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4 challenges us not to delay and not to procrastinate. It says, whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. The idea here is that You cannot wait until conditions are absolutely perfect in order to start sowing seed. Isaiah chapter 28 says, When a farmer plows for planting, does he plow continually? 
Does he keep on breaking up and harrowing the soil? When he's leveled the surface, does he not sow caraway and scatter cumin? Does he not plant wheat in its place, barley in its plot, and spelt in its field? I've talked to people who are seemingly just continually plowing the field, but they've never scattered the truth of God's word in the lives of their friends or their, their family or their neighbors or their co-workers. They're waiting for just that right opportunity. They're like, well, as soon as everything is perfect, then I will share it. But I want to encourage you that the time to start sowing seed is now. The conditions will never be absolutely perfect. You have to act Notice in our text this morning that the seed is sown by the farmer, and then the farmer can't really do anything more about it. The the farmer can't make the seed germinate. The seed sprouts and it grows on its own. Even though we can learn a lot about crops and we know a lot about, you know, through the technology and stuff, it is still a miracle when a seed sprouts. Uh, One of the things that, that always amazed me growing up on a farm was how we could take and plant 65 pounds of wheat per acre, okay, of seed, and we would plant that. And in a good year, we would get back at 70 pounds per bushel. We would receive back about 420 pounds of wheat from that 65 pounds that was sown. That's amazing to me that you can get that type of return on what you have sown. And while we did the work to make sure that the the ground was cultivated and, and it was prepared and it was fertilized, we couldn't make the growth happen. We couldn't physically do that. We can sow and and help create the right environment, but we can't make the seed sprout. And that's what the text is telling us. Regardless of whether the farmer is sleeping or doing something else, the, the seed is in God's hands. The text says, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. The farmer goes about his his normal daily activity and cannot put any extra energy into that seed in order to make it sprout. My uncles and and my grandfather, they they had amazing faith because every year they prepared the soil and every year they would put the seed in the ground. And it took faith because they couldn't do anything more than that. Yes, they did all that they could. They used agricultural insights in order to to do all they could to get the highest yield from their crops. Planting seeds at the right time, making sure that the soil had the right compositions of of minerals and, and we practice crop rotation, and we tried to make sure that the soil didn't erode, and and all those things that you should do, and if if all the conditions were good, and if good seed goes into good ground, it germinates because it's all part of God's plan, because that's the way it works. When the seed takes root, there will be fruit, and yet so much of farming is outside of the farmer's control. It's outside of what they can manage. Farmers often say, Now it's up to the Lord and the weather, right? You ever heard a farmer say that? Just like your garden out back. You can do all you want, but it's really up to God and the weather, right? Whether the rain comes or it doesn't come. Whether it comes all at once or comes in a nice steady rain. Whether or not the storms come and it brings hail or or strong winds to damage the crops. Whether the bugs come or the fungus comes or the whatever comes. There was all these things that could have happened whenever a farmer is is sowing and whenever the farmer is waiting for the crops to grow but it's it's out of his control and while i understand that it works that way there's a lot of that that i just don't get i just don't understand it and and what's amazing to me is even though i don't understand it and even though you probably don't understand it and a lot of people don't understand it it still works god is still working even when we don't understand it like the microwave and like the iphone and like 
how Twinkies are really so good. We don't understand it, but that's the way it works. According to the, the last phrase in verse 27, crops grow though he does not know how. And I, I like the way it reads in the original Greek language. It says how he does not know. We just don't know. There are lots of things we don't know. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 5 reminds us that the way God works is not always understandable. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Just because we may be deficient in knowing how God works doesn't mean that he's not working. Just because we may be deficient in understanding how the the truth of God's word penetrates someone's life and how it really comes to, to bear fruit doesn't mean that we should stop sowing. Some people don't share the message and the truth of Jesus Christ with other people because they're afraid. That they, I've heard people say, well, what if they ask me a question that I don't know the answer to? And my answer to that is always, well, tell them you don't know the answer. It's okay. We can be like the guy in John chapter 9 who was blind and Jesus restored his sight. They, he was called in by the Pharisees and they asked him whether or not they, he knew if Jesus was a sinner. And this is what he said in verse 25. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. What do you know? Hopefully you know that God has changed your life. And that's what I want to encourage you to do, to share your story. Share how Jesus changed you. Share how God is working and moving and active in your life. Sow the seed of Jesus and and how he has changed your life and how they can have hope that God can change their life as well. That's our job, is to scatter the seed. We're supposed to do that. And what's true in the agricultural setting of of planting is true in the spiritual world as well. We need to sow the seed. The second characteristic that that I want to point out that is pointed out in in this parable of God's kingdom is that growth is slow, but it will eventually show. It may take a while, but it will happen. In verse 28, we see that something spontaneous happens to the seed that is put in the soil. All by itself, the soil produces grain. And and this phrase, all by itself, is where we get our word automatic. It's automatic. It it just happens. It's the idea of acting by itself without a visible cause, without being able to see how it happens. The only other time that this phrase is used in the New Testament is in Acts chapter 12, whenever we have the story about Peter's miraculous escape from prison. And it talks about the iron gate, and the text says that it opened for them by itself. It was automatic. It just happened. We have to understand and and realize that it's important to remember that we cannot make the seed grow. I know a lot of farmers. Growing up on a farm, everybody in the area farmed. It's the life in which I grew up knowing. And all the farmers I knew, they work very, very hard. They work from sunup to sundown and beyond. Uh, They're doing everything they can. But it's really hard to explain this organic growth that happens underneath the soil. How you can take the seed and you can put it down in the ground and it explodes into life. It it germinates out of of sight and you can't really see it happen. And then it, it explodes And it's the same thing that happens in a person's life whenever you sow the truth of God's word in their life. That will start to grow inside and it will start to do something before you can see the results, before you can see what happens. In his commentary on this passage, Kenneth Weist writes this, 
The mystery of growth still puzzles farmers and scientists of today with all of our modern knowledge. But nature's secret processes do not fail to operate because we are ignorant. The secret and mysterious growth of the kingdom in the heart and the life is the point of this beautiful parable. When man has done his part, the actual process of growth is beyond his reach or comprehension. We sow the seed and let God do the work. We turn it over to him. Martin Luther is quoted as as stating, After I preach my sermon on Sunday, when I return home, I drink my little glass of Wittenberg beer and just let the gospel run its course. He planted the seed and let God do its, its work. Whenever someone was converted, Luther would give them two things, the Bible so which they could read and a hymnal so which they could sing. And he was quoted as saying, let them loose and like fire they will spread on their own. That's what happens when God's word is sown in the lives of people. I read an article that stated that they found a seed that was buried in an Egyptian tomb, and it was found thousands of years after it was buried, but when it was planted in the ground, guess what happened? It grew. There is life in the seed. There's power in that. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 says about the seed of, of the word of God, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. Hebrews chapter 4 says, For the word of God is living and active. The word goes out with a purpose and for a purpose. And according to Isaiah chapter 55, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God's word will accomplish what it's supposed to accomplish when it's sown in the lives of people. And yet if we're not sowing that truth, it doesn't have the opportunity. It's our responsibility to sow that. Germination takes place instantaneously, but but the growth is gradual. Look at verse 28. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. After the planter, uh, growing up on a farm, after the planter would go through and and the, the crops would be there, we would hope for a rain within the next two to three days. Why? Because that would have made it perfect. And then you wait, and you get the rain, And then you wait, and you're hoping something happens. And and I always loved to go with my grandpa when we would go check the field, right? We would pull up and down the shovel road that we talked about last week, and he'd get out and he'd walk in about 10 to 12 rows, and he'd take his little pocket knife, and he'd go in and he'd start digging very gently. And there underneath the, the surface, he would find it, and that little seed would have sprouted and have just a little bit of roots. And you know what he would do? He'd be, you know, pleased, obviously. He would put it back and very gently just cover it back up. And let it return to its process. See, things were happening that we couldn't see, but it was, it was the reminder of faith. It was the reminder of hope that, that good things were about to happen. It, it starts small, and it starts to grow. The roots go down. The stalk comes up. It turns into, turns into the head, and, and it all produces. And it takes one step at a time. It matures, and then it's something that can be rejoiced over. It's something that can be harvested. The, the point of all of that is that we need to, in our relationship with the Lord, take the next step. And I ask you to ask yourself the question, where are you in the process? Is the truth of God in your heart, but you have not allowed it to take root? It's time to allow it to take root in your life. Maybe it's taken root and you're afraid to let it grow and to let it show because maybe you're afraid to be obedient and you're afraid to take that step and afraid to let people know that something is different in your life and in your heart. Maybe you are growing 
and, and it's time to mature. It's time to, to become a fully devoted follower of Christ. It's time to help other people discover and experience the life-changing love of Christ. It's time to do those things, to grow, to mature. We need to take that next step. As I was reading an article about this parable, uh, a guy by the name of Brian Bell, he gave six facts about spiritual growth. And I want to share those with you this morning. He says the first one is it's normal for a Christian to grow. He points out that, that in the book of Acts, the believers were simply following what Jesus had taught them to do. They were growing and they were sharing with each other. And we need to be sincere in our attempt to grow and to share God's truth with other people. To say it another way, if you're not growing then you're not living. You're not living your Christian life if, if you're not truly living and growing in God. The second thing is growth takes time. I, I know that for me, I'd have a lot more patience if God would hurry up. That's the way I always have kind of been. I've got to slow myself down. A lot of people want that microwave faith, right? Put it in, zip it, zap it, we're good to go. But it just doesn't work that way. It takes time. Jay Oswald Sanders writes, the temper of our times is for instant gratification and short-term commitment, quick answers to prayer and quick results with a minimum of effort and discomfort, but there's no such thing as easy and instant discipleship. It's going to take time. We have to be willing to be diligent. William Carey, who's uh, credited of being the father of modern mission movement, he said of himself that I may not be the most talented person, but the reason he's been successful is because he was a plotter. He said, I, have, uh, I may not have the greatest skills, but I have extraordinary tenacity. He was faithful. He continued to do the right thing time and time again, and he grew a little more each day. And that's what we are called to do as well. The third thing, growth is not always easy to measure. It's not always easy to see what's going on, to, to see what's happening. Kingdom growth is often detected in just little stages. And, and it's hard to see from day to day. And yet, we are to continually be growing. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to be growing. And the way you do that, number four, be intentional about your growth. The reality is that, that you're not going to grow very strong and healthy in life if you make yourself a steady diet of these things, right? In the same way, in our Christian life, in our spiritual walk with the Lord, if we're living on spiritual Twinkies, you're not going to get very far. You're not going to be very healthy. You're not going to grow. And spiritual Twinkies can consist of coming here on a Sunday morning if that's all you get. If you eat one meal a week, you're going to die. You cannot be healthy by just doing this. Now, this is great. Don't misunderstand. But it's got to be more than that. We have to worship the Lord more than just what we do on a Sunday morning together. We have to worship Him daily in our life. We need to do the things that, that God has called us to do to practice those, those disciplines. And we need to ask ourselves questions to determine whether or not we're being intentional about our growth. Do I love the Lord more today than I did a year ago? Do I love my family more than I did? Do, do I love my enemies? That's a tough question. And the way you can really answer that question of do I love my enemies is, are you praying for your enemies? Because if you're praying for your enemies, and I'm not talking about God, get them. That's not exactly the type of prayer to pray for them. Are you praying for your enemies? Or are you hoping that, that God's will and God's blessing would be upon their life? Is there fruit in your life? Is there an attitude that you need to change? Is there a sin that you need to confess? Is there a person that you need to forgive? Are you intentionally growing? 
The fifth thing that he points out is we can help, but God brings the growth. Have you ever really wanted to help someone grow in their Christian life, but, but nothing happened? Uh, a lot of times it's because their heart wasn't into it. They weren't really ready. It is, is a joy of mine to be able to, to mentor, with, mentor people and disciple people and to share with people and, and to encourage people. But I have to tell you that I take a lot of comfort in the fact that it's not my job to create growth. I can sow seed and I can cast truth, but, but it's God's job. And it's your job in your life to open yourself up to allow God to work in your life. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, Paul's writing and he says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. And that is great, and that's why everything we do, we want to give God the credit and God the glory and let him receive the honor, because it's not about us. It's about him. God's providence. He makes the seed grow. The farmer doesn't really make it grow. God does. And the same thing is true. We need to direct people back to the Lord because he is the one that's going to make things grow. And the sixth thing is an encouragement to, to all of us, but especially an encouragement to parents. It says, sow the seed in your children and wait patiently for it to sprout. Psalm chapter 126 says, those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. I was on uh, Facebook a few weeks ago, and I saw this sign that, that really resonated with me that said, it's easier to build up a child than it is to fix an adult. Parents, you need to understand the role you play in your children's life is such a significant one. Build them up, encourage them, sow the, the truth of God's word in their life. And allow God to cause growth to happen. And it doesn't matter if you're the parent or the aunt or the uncle or the grandparent or whatever. It's our job to sow that seed of truth in their life. And we do that not only by what we say, but by who we are and by our actions and the way in which we live our daily life. As we wrap up this morning, Ian and the band, they're going to come and they're going to lead us in an invitation song and give you an opportunity to respond. But, but as they're doing that, I want us to look again at, at verse 29 in our text, which shows that sowing eventually leads to harvest whenever the seed takes root. Because when the seed takes root, there will be fruit of some kind. It says, as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Growing up on a farm, I loved harvest time. Harvest time was the best time of the year. It was a lot of hard work, but it was a lot of fun. Because when the crops were good, everybody was in a good mood. Not only that, but it was the one opportunity that you had consistently to go to town and get a Coke and a candy bar. And when things were really good, you were able to go in and ride in with Grandpa and, and jump out and, and let him measure the, the wheat or the corn or, or the, the soybeans and, and weigh it and take it in and do all those things. And it was an amazing time. The harvest made all the hard work worth it. It was amazing. It, it all happened. You know, everybody, all the farms, it all kind of happened at once, and you'd meet at the grain elevator, and it was kind of like a little party all the time. Hey, how's, how, are your, how are your yields? How are your, and it just, it was a great time of rejoicing. And I've got to tell you that even though it's hard work, it was worth it. And, and that's the same thing in our Christian lives. There are times that it's going to be hard work, but there's going to be times that it's going to be worth it. 
It's going to be able to rejoice and, and to celebrate. When, whenever someone accepts Jesus as their Lord and Savior, it makes it all worth it. Whenever someone turns from their sin, it makes it all worth it. When you see families put back together, when, when I receive emails like I did a couple of weeks ago where a mother and a daughter hadn't spoken for years, and they finally got back together and they prayed together, and things are better, are they perfect? No, but, but God is alive and active and putting families back together. It makes it worth it. It makes the hard work worth it. And I want to challenge you in your life, even though it may seem hard sometimes to share the truth and to express that, that it is worth it. I rejoice because God is receiving the harvest in the lives of people. And you can rejoice along with him and along with them if you're willing to sow that seed if you're willing to share the truth of God with those in which you come in contact with. Because we all want to be a part of the kingdom of God. We all want to, to have his life and his truth in our hearts. This morning, we invite you to respond to what God is doing in your life, to the seed of truth that's planted in your heart. Maybe today, what you need to do is you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you need to confess him as Lord and ask him into your heart. Maybe today, you need to be obedient to him and take that next step. Maybe you need to say, hey, there's something going on in my life that I just need to talk to someone about, and we can pray with you and encourage you. We would like to have the opportunity to do that. This morning, if you want to talk to someone, if you want to make a decision, we invite you to make your way over to the cross. The band's going to lead us in this song. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing. If you want to talk to someone, you make your way over there. We'll meet you there.